Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Run It Like a Girl. The crew is currently busy preparing for Season 2. But in the meantime, please enjoy this rebroadcast of Run It Like a Girl's Top 10 Most Listened To Interviews. This next woman founded the Ladybug Foundation when she was just eight. You don't want to miss her incredible story. Hannah Taylor, up next. Hannah Taylor was only five when she saw a homeless man searching for food in a dumpster on a cold winter day in her hometown of Winnipeg. Even at that young age, the experience was so profound for Hannah that she began fundraising to help out. By the age of eight, she'd formed the Ladybug Foundation, a nonprofit organization aimed at fighting homelessness and poverty. At 22, Hannah's foundation has raised about $4 million to support shelters, missions, and food banks across the country. Of course, the interesting part of working with it, or starting a nonprofit, working for a nonprofit, is that our dream is to one day be out of business. Um, the dream is, you know, and, and then that'll be when every Canadian has a roof over their head and food to eat and love and care. Homelessness in Canada does not have to be a thing. We have enough for everybody. Um, but it's going to take all of us. It's going to take all Canadians caring about this to to make a big difference. For her work, Hannah has received an International Humanitarian Award and a Governor General's Award. On this episode of Run It Like a Girl, Hannah gives some sound advice to young people wanting to make change. She talks about why young women need to put more trust in their abilities and why not being able to do a front role isn't the end of the world. The tenacious and remarkable Hannah Taylor on this episode of Run It Like a Girl. Today we're recording our episode of Run It Like a Girl from our office, where through technology we're talking with Hannah Taylor. Hannah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. So Hannah, so you uh, you are the founder of the Ladybug Foundation, and you also have the uh, Make Change Online project. Um, I thought maybe we'd just dig right in, and if you could tell us uh, first maybe about the Ladybug Foundation, how that started, and uh, and, and what it is. I uh, When I was five years old, I was driving down a back lane in my mom's car, and it was December, and I, I was born in Winnipeg, and I, I grew up in Winnipeg, and anybody who's been here knows that it's freezing in the winter in Winnipeg. Um, and I, I was driving down this back lane, and I looked out my car window, and I saw a gentleman searching for food in a garbage dumpster. And I've always lived a very fortunate life. Um, I've never had to think about whether or not I had a cozy bed to sleep in or food to eat or love and care. And I didn't realize that homelessness or poverty existed in Canada. And I think that also everybody has a moment of striking realization uh, that hits them in the heart and the gut that they cannot let go of. And for me, seeing this gentleman um, in the back alley was that moment. And so I turned to my mom and I said, what is he doing? Why is he doing that? And she said that he was homeless and he was down in his luck and he had to do that to eat. And for about a year, I worried about this man, and as I learned more about homelessness and poverty in Canada, others who also live homeless lives. Um, and I would ask my parents questions they couldn't possibly answer, uh, like, you know, where is where is he sleeping tonight, mom? Where is his family? That kind of thing. Uh, and about a year later, I was being tucked into bed, and I asked my mom yet another question that she couldn't really answer. And she said, you know, Hannah, maybe if you do something about it, your heart won't feel so sad. And so the next day I went to my grade one teacher and I asked her if I could talk to my class about homelessness and if we could do something to help. And we ended up having a, a bake and art sale and gathering coffee and clothes and blankets and um, donating what we had raised and gathered to 
a solo mission, a local shelter in Winnipeg. After that, I just kind of, I kept talking to others, anyone, really anyone who would listen about what we could do to help. And that ranged from other peers of mine to business people in the community. Um, like I said, anyone who would listen. And when I was eight, we had gotten to the point where we were uh, raising and distributing enough uh money throughout Winnipeg to different organizations that work for those who are homeless, then in order to keep going, we had to become a registered charity. So I never actually thought that we would be uh, as big as we are. Um, the Ladybug Foundation, um, in our work to raise funds and awareness for those who are homeless, hungry, or living in poverty in Canada, now supports about 70, 70 different shelters, missions, and food banks across the country. And we've raised about $4 million to support those organizations and also empower young people to make a difference. And, you know, like I said, I never thought it'd be this big, um, but I'm really glad. I'm glad that it that it has gotten this big because it means we can connect even more hearts and caring for those who are homeless uh, and caring for each other. Um, of course, the interesting part of working with it or starting a nonprofit, working for a nonprofit is that our dream is to one day be out of business. Um, the dream is, you know, and, and then that'll be when every Canadian has a roof over their head and food to eat and love and care. Homelessness in Canada does not have to be a thing. We have enough for everybody. Um, and there are really wonderful organizations that work alongside Ladybug that are that are doing that kind of work. Um, but it's going to take all of us. It's going to take all Canadians caring about this to, to make a big difference. Absolutely. I would love to know, what would your kind of uh, advice or, or be to someone who has an idea or who has something they want to do or make change, but just can't really find their voice or even don't know how to start? Something to remember, I guess, first of all, is that when you learn about people who are doing this kind of work and, you know, when you read their stories, it like very much tenacity is really like obvious, like they're not given up, they're not taking over an answer, they have this like big, strong voice. I think it's good to remember that it, that's like never, that's never constant. I think about, I'm actually quite a shy person. Um, and when I'm in a big group of friends, usually I'm pretty quiet. And pretty, pretty like nervous. I'm kind of a, I'm like a little introverted weirdo often. And so, I think that uh, it's it's never constant, and often it's it's okay to feel nervous or out of your comfort zone. Starting with work like this, um, I was really nervous the first time I spoke in public, um, and it was only after lots and lots of practice that I uh, I got over that nervousness and got over that fear. So it's always work, and it's always a job. And oftentimes, you know, that that like insecurity or that nervousness um, or finding your voice, like it's very much, it goes back and forth. It's not like a linear path to finding it, um, which is important. You know, give yourself a break when you feel nervous and unsure. That's very like natural and normal. And I feel it all the time. <laughs> I think that also if, you know, I guess, I guess a few things. First of all, especially if I'm talking to um, young people, young women um, who are listening, uh, a really important thing is to remember that, you know, age doesn't define what you can do. Believing that you can do it is a huge, huge step, and it's a big hurdle to get over. I think especially for young women, um, just because our voices are often discounted, especially when you add, you know, other aspects of identity that I, that I've, or that I've never lived with and never experienced, um, women of color, women with disabilities, like, it's a whole, you know, I think that our, our voices are, you know, women's voices are often discounted, and then you add, like, few intersectional identities to those things and that's you know even bigger but believing you can is is a huge huge step I'll often go to schools I was recently actually speaking at an all-girls school elementary school um and one of the best parts of doing this work is that um I'll be talking and then I see 
young people have this like light bulb moment gone in their heads where, you know, if she can do it, I can do it too. And oh my gosh, that is uh-huh. so the truth. Um, I'm an incredibly, I'm very, very normal. You know, everybody who, somebody who has a passion is, is capable of this. Like this is, you know, everyone can do this kind of work. I think that a, a big step is then like finding that thing you're passionate about. Um, people in my age group, you know, we are, we're reading the news or seeing headlines on Facebook and, and things like that. And I've, I've often, you know, talked to people and they'll be, they'll say, um, I know that there's so much change be ma- to be made. I don't know where to start, but I want to be a part of it. And for me, like I said, it was very much by accident that I found the thing that I'm passionate about. Um, and I mean, that might happen. That often happens for other, obviously for other people as well. You'll be scrolling through Instagram and you'll see an ad for like an organization. It's like, oh, that's an interesting cause. Or you'll be talking to a friend um, and they'll mention something that their aunt does. You know, it, you know that it can happen by accident very much so. But sometimes it doesn't. And so that means trying things, taking the time to learn about what's going on in the world, learning about what kind of causes happen at your school or at your workplace, talking to talking to your family members maybe about like the things that um, they're interested in, to your friends. Searching out those kinds of things um, is is really important. Also, um, I guess the next thing is once you, once you find that thing that you are interested in uh, making change in, it's really, really important to gather as much knowledge as you can. The first thing that I did when I realized I had to do something uh, for those who are homeless or living in poverty in Canada was learn as much as I could about it. Because you not you know everyone acknowledges power for sure, but also knowledge leads to understanding, which is incredibly powerful and incredibly necessary if you want to make change in a cause that you care about. It's a big reason why the Ladybug Foundation um, started Walk a Mile in Their Shoes, which is um, an event where we ask individuals to walk a mile uh, on January thirty first and think about what it would be like to walk that mile um, in poverty every day. Oftentimes especially in Canada in the winter. So on like January 31st, not only if, if, if someone who is homeless doesn't have a place to stay, especially, you know, Winnipeg, it's freezing mm-hmm. January 31st, not only can they not, you know, throughout the night, they have to keep moving, not only because it's not perhaps not safe for them to stay in one place, but also because if they don't keep moving, they could freeze. Like that's a reality for somebody who's homeless in so many parts of Canada. And we also know that walking a mile outside isn't gonna, that's not the same experience, but it's it's working towards an understanding of what that might be like. Taking the time to like put yourself in the shoes of somebody who is homeless um, because understanding is so important in being involved in a, in, a, in a cause that matters to you. And so that's gain as much knowledge as you can in order to reach some kind of understanding, moving towards an understanding of the cause or the people that you care about. I think the next thing is, you know, especially if you're if you're in that position where you're looking for your voice, um, you're not really sure where to start. Talk to people about it. Um, like I said, you know, with that first fundraiser um, that I did with my grade one class, the response was immediate and it was so exciting. Um, so many people wanted to do something. They just didn't know where to start. So they were kind of in the maybe in the same boat, but like you could be the person that you could be the starting point for them. Um, it's really easy to feel alone in what you care about, um, but that's never the case, I guarantee. Um, so build a network of people around you. Um, that's that's really important, um, especially if you're about to take on work that is you know, philanthropic work. Uh, I think that because the causes we care about can feel so overwhelming and big, um, having a support network around you that care about the same things, that are working towards the same things matters a lot. The last thing to remember, I think, 
is that this kind of work, and this this is not just you know work that is for those who are homeless or living in poverty, also work for the environment or endangered animals or whatever it is that you care about. It can feel really big and it can feel insur- you know insurmountable sometimes. And I think in those moments where you're kind of freaked out or you're just tired or you're nervous because you're about to, you know, speak in front of a crowd and that's scary or doing an interview and that's scary. You have to remember that at the very core of, you know, the role of a change-making leader, you know, your biggest job is to create hope in the lives of others. And that's actually a very simple job because it doesn't take a foundation that, you know, spreads across the country, for example, or, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take a big action to do that for other people. And so in, you know, that it could be as simple as, you know, somebody is asking for a change in a street corner and um, acknowledging their presence, reminding them that they matter by like giving a wave and a smile or asking them how they are. Like that's how simple it is. I think that, so, so in those moments for me, when things get really stressful and huge or, you know, um, first of all, I reach out to people who love me, people that create that network of support for me. But also I think about a friend that I made at a youth shelter in Toronto when I was 11. Um, I was being given a tour of the shelter. It, it had reached, the, the shelter had reached out seeking support from Ladybug. And so I was kind of checking it out. And a volunteer was giving me a tour. And as we went along the tour, um, a lot of the young people that use the, uh, that use the shelter or live at the shelter um, joined in. And so they were telling me what dinners were the best and what art was there in the art room. There was one guy, I remember he had the most like magnificent purple mohawk and he taught me how to play pool. It was really, it was wonderful. It's a wonderful organization. Um, And so by the end of the tour, we had gathered quite a crowd and I was waiting in the foyer. I was about to leave giving everybody hugs. And throughout the whole tour, there had been this, she must've been 16 and she was tiny. um, And she'd kind of hung back the whole time. She hadn't said anything. And right when I was about to leave, she came through the crowd and she hugged me and she was crying. And she said, before today, I thought nobody loved me. And now I know you do. And that's, that's like the whole, that's the whole point. Like that kind of moment is the whole reason you do stuff like this. And in that moment, you know, that kind of hope can come from really simple acts of kindness. Um, And so that's a really important thing to remember when things feel too big, or it feels like you don't have a voice that is as it's as simple and as powerful as that. I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about uh, Make Change Online and, and how that started and, and what is what is that all about? So a few years after the Ladybug Foundation became a registered charity, I uh, started on a project um, called uh, Make Change the Ladybug Foundation Education Program. And that was inspired by my work at schools. Um, I've spoken at well, I mean, in total, at about 400 different schools um, and conferences and meetings across the country and in different parts of the world. Um, a large part of that number has been um, schools that have been involved in our work. And I guess I would go to these schools and I would see uh, young people have a moment where they realize that they could do it too. Um, I think that's a really important moment. And for me, it came from um, parents and my parents and my uh teach my first grade teacher and um for me it was you know it was a lesson i learned really early that young people can make a big difference um you know age doesn't define what you can do and i wanted that moment to happen for as many kids as possible and so we started uh ladybug foundation education program and it is a curriculum that can be taught from kindergarten to grade 12 and it has lesson plans and original music and videos and um, teacher guides and kind of like structures for creating a project that you care about, that kind of stuff. Um, and its first job is to 
empower young people to make a difference. And then um, second, it gives them like tangible tools to do something with what they care about. Something that mattered, matters a lot to me is that this program be accessible, accessible to as many people as possible. And so now everything is entirely online to be used for free. And it's in 11,000 classrooms all over the world. And it's called I Can Make Change Online. And uh, folks can check it out at ICanMakeChange.ca. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. That's great. So I, I'd love to ask you if, uh, if you could go back in time and, and, and take an eight-year-old version of you, well, your eight-year-old self out for lunch, um, what, kind of, what would that conversation look like? What's in the last 16 years? How would, what advice w- would you give yourself? That's a very good question. I think I think about eight-year-old me with so much like I feel a lot of tenderness towards her. I feel really proud of her. I think she was pretty cool <laughs> when she was. I don't know because I think that when I was like when I was a little person, or when I was like when I was a young person or you know a kid, I guess um, I was just I was just fearless. I was just such a fierce little girl, and I think a big thing if I if I took little me out to lunch. I would say to hang on to that. I think that my my little self just had so much. She had so much confidence, and I think as I've gotten older, you know, you run into you run into instances where that is challenged, and ultimately those kinds of experiences often serve to just fortify your confidence and your strength and your belief in yourself at the end of the day. But you know, while it's happening, it can feel oh pretty awful or, or pretty. Uh, I guess unsettling kind of like knocks you off your feet a little bit. So I think I would tell her to hang on to that as much as she can in all sorts of endeavors. I think that with my work with Ladybug, because I'm so passionate about it, when I'm speaking about it or I'm speaking in front of a crowd about it and all that kind of stuff, um, first of all, I've had a lot of practice. And also just I know that this work has to be done. We have to care about those who are homeless. These are people that deserve our recognition, you know, our, our acknowledgement and our care and our love, um, and our, and our time. And so I think in, in those moments when I'm speaking about those things, I'm has, I am, I am, I am confident and I resemble a lot more of my little self, um, than I do in other parts of my life where I'm quiet and shy and unsure. Um, so I think I would, I would tell her to hang on to those things. I would also tell her probably, ugh, I would probably tell her that Accomplishing a forward role does not matter that much. <laughs> for a long time, I was held back in swimming lessons for not being able to do a forward roll into the pool. And it bothered me for such a long time. Um, and so I think I think I would, I would probably tell her, and that's kind of like a metaphor for other, for other things. I would tell her, don't worry about the forward roll so much. You know, it's, it's, try really hard, do your best. It's okay if you're not you know, superb at the forward role or other things that maybe you're not great at, you know, it's, it's okay to, to, you know, fifth place is great. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, trying really hard is like also an awesome, an awesome thing. That means a lot. And that's an accomplishment in and of itself, like doing your best and giving your all. Um, And probably little me needs to, would have needed to, you know, I ended up, I ended up learning that for a long time. That was something that was hard for me. Um, But yeah, just like to, hang on to my fierceness, I think would be, um, because that was something little me was great at. Um, so I would also, I'd also tell her to do that. Don't lose your fierceness and keep trusting your ideas and your decisions and your, your abilities. I think, I think just, especially, you know, young women listening to this podcast, just remember that you, you know, you oftentimes, and I struggle with this all the time. There's kind of this, uh, 
we don't we don't believe that we we often don't believe we deserve the chances and opportunities we get for some reason you know it's very much like by chance or by luck that we ended up in the place that we are we got this promotion and we ended up accepted at this school that kind of thing um remind yourself that you deserve it all the time you got to stop that like negative voice in your head that says that you don't deserve where you are um if if you know if, if you deserve where you are in in the sense that like you don't deserve the great things that are happening in your life or like having a seat at the table or being in a position of power or um things like that you know our voices deserve to be heard we deserve to have the opportunity to participate in making big decisions and saying important things and you know living the lives that we want um taking up space in in those instances you know what they're like not only do we deserve it, but we're like, we're great contributors to things. You know, we, we contribute all the time. Um, so take up space where you are that, you know, that's a, it's important thing. You deserve, you deserve to be there. You deserve to be, you deserve the successes and the, and the, and those, you know, wonderful moments in your lives that, you know, it's some, maybe some of it's luck, but most of the time it's because you worked really hard and because you're great at what you do. And that's like something you got to, hang on to that you deserve to be there yes well hannah um i just want to say thank you again so much for joining us for an episode um i uh i think that uh it's just going to be so exciting to to see uh what where you're making a difference next and as you continue with your foundation and through uh whatever you decide to do as you uh um start out your it's not really starting out your career because you've had a career for 16 years, but the next chapter or continuation, I just really can't wait to, uh, wait to follow and hear, and hear all about what happens. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for including me. This was wonderful. Run It Like a Girl is hosted by Bonnie Moak. Brian Long is the producer. Web design and technical assistance provided by Dan Moak. And music courtesy of the talented Brooklyn Gillichuk.